Hey, you're listening to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. Today, we're joined by Christina Schioto, Interim Executive Director at the Global DCA. We're going to be chatting about who leads crypto regulation on the Hill, why crypto initiatives could be put on hold during the next election cycle, and the biggest bill in progress in Washington today. Enjoy. Welcome, one and all. As always, hope you had some good conversations in the uh, the breakout rooms there. Some of you might be a little confused as to what's going on. So here's what's on tap. Uh, we do this every week. It's a one-hour event. This is the 184th time we've done it. We're going to briefly talk about Diffuse Tap and Diffuse Funds. And then we're going to do a fireside chat with Miss Skioto. And then we're going to do two rounds of tap rooms, kind of similar to what you just did. Because most of us are here to network. 45 minutes of every hour is us in small groups kind of just getting to know each other a little bit. The audience is pretty much all alternative investors who play or people who play in the alternative investment space, pretty heavily skewed toward digital assets as well. Um, we do want you to learn a little bit, which is why we have folks like Ms. Kyoto on to talk about what they're up to. And it's always something interesting. We do do in-person versions of this as well. December 6th in Beverly Hills is the next one. Kind of casual, grab a drink, meet some people in 3D. If you're in that neck of the woods, go check it out. Diffuse Funds itself is a fund platform. Our big push right now is our Diffuse Digital 30 product, which is a market cap weighted index fund of the top 30 cryptocurrencies, which is now publicly listed. So we deal with lawyers a lot. Uh, but also regulators, and which is why we have our friend here, Christina. Do you, oh, you're unmuted already. Do you want to tell the good folks a little bit about your background and what you're up to over at the Global DCA? Thank you so much, Kenny. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having me, Kenny and Isla. My name is Christina Shoto, and I am the Interim Executive Director of the Global DCA. The Global DCA is an advocacy group for crypto. Um, it is a member-led organization, and it promotes fair and measured balanced regulation. Because of our approach, we've been able to successfully cross the aisle and work with not only the Republicans who typically support digital asset legislation, but also with the Democrats as well. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. I am not a government scholar. I am simply a practitioner. And I am here to tell you about my experience with working with Washington and how it all kind of works and how things get done. Okay, well, let's jump in right there. Okay. Who Fantastic. leads crypto regulation? How <laughs> does that actually work? Or for my uh, arm seat or my armchair, not work? Yeah, well, it's, it, I wish there was a simple answer to that. So, um, you know, I'm going to back up for a little bit. I've come from like 25 plus years in TradFi experience. I was very involved in the, uh, the electronification of the markets back in the late nineties. And I've worked with, you know, the SEC and the CFTC lobbyist lawyers and all that kind of stuff. And the one glaring difference in my experience, crypto and TradFi is that when you're dealing in TradFi, you're dealing with classified assets. The asset is either a security or it's a commodity. And because of that, you have a basic framework of what to build off of. You know, in crypto, there's not yet this consensus of what how these assets should be classified. 
with the exception of a Conan Ethereum, of course. And so what that does, it creates a lot of uncertainty. It introduces a lot of risk in the market. And we are now looking at, instead of the regulators to define what those rules and regulations are, we're looking to the legislators, to our members of Congress to define what the laws should be around crypto. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today is it's like how the legislation works. And I'm going to use a particular example um, the Financial Infrastructure Technology Act, the FIT bill. So I want to give people some, the FIT bill is a very important bill. And um, just so that you guys kind of understand the, the highlights of the FIT bill is that one, it offers consumer protections. It requires exchange platform, trading platforms, aka exchanges, to segregate their customer assets. It also has disclosure rules for issuers so that people know how many tokens are in circulation and the concentration of assets held by affiliates. It offers a clear path uh, for these trading platforms to register with either the SEC or the CFTC. And most importantly, the the FIT bill gives you a gives gives people in the digital assets industry a safe harbor. So the point there is to keep innovation on shore. And what does that mean, safe harbor, when you say give them a safe harbor? So like they can, they can, you know, some of these assets kind of start off as a security, but then kind of evolved into a commodity. And so it allows them to operate within a framework for a set period of time where the regulators are not going to go after them and, and, um, you know, find them uh, for violating laws. So they, they, they have some time to evolve. So, so how does this all happen, right? So how does a bill get introduced? So this is kind of like the basic stuff, which frankly, I am just getting to know more and more about sometimes a little bit too much. But so when a bill gets introduced into Congress, it has to be either a congressman or a senator has to introduce and it has to go into the House or the Senate. It can go into either one unless it's a budget bill. It has to go into the House. And once it's introduced, it gets assigned to a committee. All right. So the committees that we're typically working with in crypto are the um, on the House side are the House Financial Services Committee, the House Ag Committee. And then on the Senate side, we have the Senate Banking Committee and the um, Senate Ag Committee. So for the FIP bill specifically, it was introduced by um, French Hill and Patrick McHenry. Patrick McHenry is the chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. He's a huge crypto advocate. He wants to hang his legacy on, on crypto. And so it's it was assigned to both the highest financial services committee and the ad committee. And once and once the committee has it, they're responsible for writing up the bill in formal legal language. And then it has to go for a vote. Now, this is where some of the stuff gets kind of interesting with the fit bill. So I think it was back in September, it was just a few months ago, when the House Financial Services Committee and the House Ag Committee had to vote on the FIT bill. Now, the ranking member on the House Financial Services Committee is Maxine Waters, who's not a proponent of crypto. And what was unprecedented, it was the number of Democrats that voted for this bill to be passed and broke rank with the senior ranking committee member, which does not happen often at all. And... It got through the House Financial Services Committee and it got through the House Ad Committee. And there's tons of optimism around here. Patrick McHenry is a very um, influential person in the House and people were actually getting encouraged and optimistic about the future of crypto because this bill is really essential to the market structure of crypto. Of crypto. So once it gets through the these committees, it's got to go to the House floor for a vote before it goes to the Senate. 
Now, this is where things get even more interesting, okay? So this is back in September when it got through these committees, right? And so we've got three, four months left until the end of the year. And every year, there are 12 appropriation bills that Congress has to vote on. These appropriation bills set the budget for various departments in the government, and they have to get voted on. So they're going to get precedent for floor time. But people were still encouraged that that McHenry could get this bill on the House floor for a vote. However, then what happened it was like, you know, the 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 stars aligned in this crazy way. Um, the Republicans ousted McHenry, which, you know, I don't even think that's ever happened before. So then there was no Speaker of the House, or there was no Speaker of the House. Patrick McHenry had to assume temporary speaker while they try to find other speakers. That was just a mess trying to vote for a new speaker. And meanwhile, tick-tock, tick-tock, there's these appropriation bills. And they're at the time, I don't believe a continuing resolution was passed in order to expand the budget time where you can just use the prior year's budget until you vote on another budget. So with all of these things, you know, the pending government shutdown and then the new the the lack of a House speaker, all these things, you know, kind of obviously there were obstacles for any bill, particularly the FIP bill. So now what's happening is within the past, I'd say, I don't know, week and a half or something like that. Um, one of these appropriation bills, the NDAA, the National, the National Defense Authorization Act, is on the House floor for a vote. And this bill is typically a vessel for other unrelated policies to tack on, right? So, for example, one of the things that that they're talking about right now is that there's like some sort of a fentanyl trafficking safeguard act that that Congress wants to pass. It's fairly innocuous language bipartisan support. Everybody wants this bill to pass, right? So they're going to tack it on to the NDAA. And Patrick McHenry is saying, wait a minute, time out. You want this fentanyl bill passed? Well, guess what? You're going to have to pass my fit bill as well. And so there's lots of um, horse trading going on, lots of negotiations, and the situation is incredibly fluid. Uh, many of you saw the news yesterday that McHenry, unfortunately, is going to retire at the end of next year, at the end of his term, which is you know, heartbreaking for us in crypto because he is such a measured voice and a big proponent of crypto. And, you know, we do have Emmer, who is also, um, and Taurus, who's also supporting crypto, but it's, it, we're, it's a big loss losing McHenry. So let's just say that somehow the FIT bill, just to kind of go back to the processes and procedures, that somehow the FIT bill either attaches itself to this vehicle of the NDAA or it gets to a House vote, what it then has to do, it has to go through the Senate. And then if the Senate wants to make changes, then what happens is that they form a conference. And the conference is made up of members of both the House and the Senate on the bill to talk about and to compromise and to come up with different language. Once that language is decided upon, the whole ball, it starts from the very beginning. It's got to go through the House. It's got to pass through the House floor. Then it's got to go to the Senate floor. And then after the Senate floor, it's got to go to the president for a vote. And then there's there's lots of, you can veto and lots of things. So it's it's cumbersome to get laws passed in the United States and by design so that, you know, dangerous laws are not are not passed. That's absolutely fascinating. And every time I hear about how this process works, I'm just like, Man, I would not want to be in that world. Um, but that's really, <laughs> it sounds like this is not an imminently 
doable thing. We've got many months, if not years, before we get through this whole process here, but definitely not dead and continuing on. So let's talk about the people involved. Um, I get why people want it, right? Clarity, crypto, yada, yada. Who doesn't want it, right? Who's pushing back on getting this through the system? Well, you know, Maxine Waters, House Democrat, also um, Sherrod Brown does not like crypto, pushes against it. And as we all Why know, is that? they think that it is, you know, I think they throw up a number of different obstacles, Kenny. So like right now, um, illicit finance is, is a hot topic on the Hill. Everybody's saying that crypto is being used to fund Hamas and, you know, people are trying to to um, some people are pushing that narrative. Some people are trying to clear up that narrative and say that narrative doesn't exist, um, that, you know, the dollar is more likely to fund Hamas than than crypto. So I would say those are the big, those are the, the most powerful people that do not support crypto. You know, there's, there's accusations of fraud. And you know what, without guardrails, human nature, people will behave poorly. I mean, people would behave poorly. People do behave poorly in traditional finance until those loopholes are identified. And then there's, you know, rules and regulations uh, 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 that protect us from further fraud. So it happens in TradFi, but we, we've got the microscope on crypto. Well, I mean, that's 1933 Securities Act was exactly right. that, right? Like <laughs> robber barons were totally a thing, right? Like that's, that's just how that goes. But I don't know, maybe I'm just being dumb, but wouldn't that be an argument for clear regulation on it? If it, if these are AML KYC concerns, which it sounds like what you're saying is, um, wouldn't you want the regulation instead of just burying your head in the sand? You do want the regulation, you know, and um, it's it's interesting how much opposition this 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 fit bill is just so pragmatic. It, it is interesting that it's got so much opposition. And I think that some of it is, you know, this is all conjecture, of course, but some of it is that a lot of these Democrats kind of have egg on their face after FTX mm. and all the money that SBF donated to their campaign. I think that has something to do with it. And then just the colossal failures that have happened in the past, you know, 18 months in 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 crypto. And unfortunately, some of these Democratic senators won't even, you know, they're not even open to talking about mm. about crypto either. So. Interesting. So another straw man that gets thrown around a lot is that uh, TradFi, traditional financial institutions, are shit scared and have deep pockets that like to lobby. Um, do you think that's a play here or is that just kind of not really that prevalent? I think that the they're waiting. You know what they're gonna what they're gonna do is they're gonna you know this the the approval of a Bitcoin ETF I think is inevitable, and they are I think you're gonna get a lot more tradfi in crypto a tradfi participation in crypto once that's approved. But they want clear rules and regulations. They don't want the hassle of dealing with the SEC or the CFTC. And um, although there are, you know, I, you know, there are some very big names out there, and I think probably most bulge bracket banks, all, frankly, I think all the bulge bracket banks have divisions devoted to crypto that are looking at crypto, that are testing it internally, that are, you know, they might be out in the public saying crypto is bad, but internally they're hedging themselves. I mean, it's very similar to, you know, earlier I talked about 
the electronification of the markets. Back then, there was the New York Stock Exchange floor and the specialist who's managing the orders and, you know, Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan, all those guys were totally invested in, in, in that model. But on the sidelines, they were investing in all these various ECNs and, mm-hmm. and making sure they were hedged in the event that things would change. How did that play out in the end? Uh, I mean, I know the answer to this story, but like, how did that, uh, there's, there's all the HFT and the exchanges and stuff like that. What was the resolution? Well, the resolution is, you know, obviously if something is more efficient and if it's cheaper, it's, you know, it kind of gets its own momentum and it will get passed. And that's what happened with the electronifications in the markets. I mean, people were granted a quote line They're they're they're, they were able to see their quote in in um in the market and uh it was a democratization of of the financial markets and with crypto i think it's the same but you know exponentially higher because it's not just in the financial markets i mean there's so many different use cases for crypto that it could serve our society in ways far outside of financial services gotcha well i know that with ecns in particular um they were just bought Right, Nazi Nasdaq bought yeah. and an archipelago within a week right. of each other. Right, back in the day, do you see that type of consolidation happening here? Where TradFi just throws in the towel and just buys up all the upstarts? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're they're going to need the <clears throat> excuse me, the subject matter experts, the domain expertise. Um, I personally think that probably Coinbase is ripe for an acquisition within the next ten years. Is that Nazi buys Coinbase? Is that your prediction here? On record, Nasdaq, 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 Nasdaq. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. So who, who who knows? I mean, I do think that I do think that a lot of these companies are ripe for acquisition, and I think unfortunately, I think the lack of regulatory clarity, a lot of these companies, as we've seen over the past year, uh, will continue to like disappear because they just can't survive. Okay. Uh, one last question, and then we'll go to breakout rooms. Who's pro? Who's funding actually pushing these bills? The fit bill you talked about quite a lot. Like, who are the people that are financing this? We know who the negatives are. Well, are you talking about Congress members? I would say that, like, you know, Patrick McHenry, obviously, sure. is a big proponent. Um, Tom Emmer, big, big proponent. Uh, Representative Torres, French Hill. And then on the Senate side, Gillibrand and Loomis. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and there's more, but those are the names that you typically hear about in the news. And but who's um at the end of the day, congressmen, and this is me being jaded, don't really do a lot without lobbyists kind of pushing them uh in that direction. Is there like a strong uh lobbying? Obviously, the, the GDCA is is trying to make an effort in this regard, but who are the the outside interests that are kind of pushing well, this? Coinbase is huge. Coinbase is a very strong voice in the industry. Ripple, you know, has a very mm-hmm. strong voice in the industry. I think that there are some other players that are kind of quiet about it, right? You know. Maybe Fidelity is a little okay. bit in the background, not really pushing it, but is very engaged. Templeton. I mean, there's some there's some TradFi names that you don't really see in the news per mm-hmm. se, but I think that they are certainly using their powers to influence policy. Makes sense. And it's interesting because uh, back to your earlier comment, as we see these institutions getting these ETFs approved, um, they're going to have a pretty strong vested interest to see this stuff cleared up as well. But unfortunately, uh, we're out of time. Thank you so much, Christina Shioto. I messed that up in the beginning. So uh, thank you for that subtle correction on your part. Um, folks, uh, we'll pop you into tap rooms. Etiquette stuff, please. It's networking, not pitching. Um, be kind to one another. And uh, if you meet somebody you want to connect with, your best bet is just to swap emails or whatever. 
Snapchats, whatever you're using these days, uh, then and there, or join the Telegram group, uh, introduce yourself, have a little conversation out there. Uh, generally, you talk about yourself for 30 seconds, and then you talk about the topic. And the topic is, Ayla? The topic is, in terms of the current SEC situation with uh, Gensler, uh, him being reprimanded by judges for kind of taking more than he should be taking uh, in this whole process. What are your thoughts? Uh, please share with each other for about 10 minutes and uh, we'll be back here really shortly. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is going to reshuffle rooms for another go round. But in the meantime, Ms. Shioto, tell us the future. What's coming down the pipe? What are you excited by? Um, maybe outside of the Fit Bill, because we already touched that quite a lot. I don't know if it's something that I'm excited about, something that I'm concerned about. I will say this is that, you know, I mentioned this uh, defense bill that's going through and there is a clause in there in the defense bill about mixers and um, privacy coins and stuff. And what we're seeing here is like this continuing trend where non-legislative bodies are getting directly involved with policymaking. Mm -hmm. So we see it with the Treasury, who recently last week was asking for expanded powers to regulate crypto. Um, I can't remember Deputy Secretary's name. Ayayemo, I'm not pronouncing that right. I'm butchering his last name. And then with this um, defense bill, the Pentagon is asking, you know, they're, they want more power over crypto. Obviously, the, we've seen the SEC that is continuing to uh, regulate the enforcement. So I don't know if that, I, mean, I wouldn't say I'm excited about that. I'm very concerned about that mm. because there's a land grab and everybody wants a piece of the pie. Now, on the other end, what this does tell me is that Maybe, you know, by not regulating crypto, you're not legitimizing crypto. And and perhaps what this is saying is that crypto is a legitimate asset. And now everybody wants power, wants their little piece of the kingdom. So I don't know. But uh, I will say that this is this is concerning. Sounds like it. Yeah. And that is, that is a consistent uh, theme around this. All of these agencies making a play for it. Now, saying that. There is a potential future state where all of financial services is on crypto, in which case it kind of does make sense for every different regulatory body to be involved in some way, shape or form if that is that expansive. But we're pretty far away from that. Although uh, Bitcoin 44K, that's what I'm excited about. So uh, yay, going back in the right direction. Hila, you ready for another uh, topic in another room? Yeah, absolutely. What is a piece of regulation or something that you would like to see approved within the US and that you think would make a really big difference in innovation or uh, in usage of crypto or adoption? What is a regulation that you think would really make a big difference uh, in, in crypto uh, in 2024? I'll pop you into rooms now and we'll see you back here just before the hour. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Um, we're going to do a quick wrap up. Um, but Christina, as we're almost at the top of the hour, plug your pluggables. Tell people where to find you or direct them wherever you want to go, really. Oh, you are muted. Sorry, I should give you that warning. There we go. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and my email is c.shoto, my last name, at globaldca.org. And um, would love to talk to you guys more about what's going on in Washington and answer any questions that you have. Awesome. Thank you very much. A um, couple of things on our end. Uh, next week, like I said, this is a weekly event, so come back here in a little less than seven days. UAE and crypto. Uh, Dubai seems to be a haven, but is it 
actually come here from some people that are making that a reality. December 6th, Beverly Hills in person, uh, hosted by Mr. Maori and Mr. Isaacson. Uh, do come, grab a drink, meet some folks in the flesh. Telegram group, join it, say hello, um, say updated on all things diffuse or just kind of, I don't know, shoot the shit with folks in there and uh, can compare networks. Isla, anything uh, that I supposed to talk to that I didn't? We are looking for a Diffuse Tab in real life host for January. So if that is uh, you or somebody you know, ping me. I would love to get them calendar. And, and we're we're doing the Chicago in real life, right? That's right. That's correct. On the 14th. 14th. That's right. Chicago. Reach out. Uh, 14th. December 14th or? Yes. Next week. There's already a party. It's already free booze, free food. Uh, Propellant Ventures is helping sponsor it with a couple sponsors. So come on by if you're in Chicago. I uh, I think I gave you that information, right, Isla? Yep. Yep. I have that. It's uh, It's gone out in the newsletter and stuff. Yep. Perfect. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you already for coming. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Have a good one. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thanks, Christina. Thank you again. Bye. That's all, folks. Hope you learned something new. If you join us on Zoom every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, you can also network with other fascinating alternative investors from all over the world in small groups of four or five. Learn more on our website at www.diffusefunds.com. Until next time.